0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Found City Sports Media, a podcast made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name is Armando, aka Hot Tech Mondo, and I am joined by Reese, aka, I am not sure what his aka is. I am going to say referees, I'm going to say uh, Bach Lesnar, yeah. the yeast guy. <laughs> the
1: yeast guy. So according to my little doodly dad right there, it says I'm still referees. So until we have like a proper referendum okay, okay. to find me a new nickname on the podcast, I think it'll still be referees or maybe the artist formerly known as referees. Um, but, you know, if you could think of if you could think of good Reese pun inventive nicknames, I'm I'm open to it. I'm still down for meta World Reese, too, to be honest. I like that one.
0: But please, please remind the audience of the name that you were thinking of, though, so that we can put up a poll possibly. Yeah. Uh, so if we want the yeast incarnate Bach Lesnar to
1: stick around, then, you know, we'll just we'll just put up an Instagram poll and see how quickly we get shut down.
0: And, and, and for those of us that do not follow wrestling, what is the yeast incarnate supposed to signify when it comes to Brock Lesnar? Brock Lesnar's moniker in
1: WWE is the beast incarnate. So it's the beast incarnate Brock Lesnar.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. uh-huh okay so for all our wrestling fans out there you got that so all two percent of you referees and uncle drew got that everyone else this all makes sense now reese great 100 percent. that's what we're going for although i did realize uh bach lesnar has nothing to actually do with
1: my name nor does the moniker <coughs> yeast so i could be the reese incarnate but that's yeah the reese incarnate's kind of cool maybe we'll
0: stick with I like that. I like Reese and, yeah because then it's it, people know your name from Reese and then they also know that you like beer from Bach okay I think we're on to something here but yeah, we'll we'll still take some still take some polls. See, where we wind up on this. <laughs> we'll take some polls, and we're gonna put those polls on social media. You'll see it on Twitter. You'll see it on Instagram, and you may see it on other platforms. Reese, where can people find us on social media as well as tell us a little bit about Patreon? So you can
1: find us on social media at Fountain City SM. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Fountain City SM. You can find us on TikTok at Fountain City SM. Is that our current TikTok handle? You got to remind me. Yep. Cool. There you go. Yep. Uh, and you can also find us on Patreon at patreon.com backslash FCSM where you'll find outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive B-reviews, including I uh, would like to pitch this out here, Armando, that uh, for bonus content this season, this can pass with a uh, two out of two vote. Uh oh. <laughs> I want to do a nine part series
0: of a rewatch on Fast and Furious. Oh my gosh. Wait, nine parts as in we watch every single Fast and Furious? As in we
1: watch every single Fast and Furious into a commentary bonus episode on each one because the series starts out <laughs> just as kind of like brainless monster energy drink car movies. But around Fast Five, the entire franchise pivots into what actually are pretty decent heists and action films at that point. Plus, we could <laughs> even throw in Hobbs and Shaw if we wanted to do the spinoff. So I think that's just a goldmine right there. That's like a V8 worth of bonus content, in my opinion.
0: Reese, you've, you've been my friend for a very long time, and I have told you some very deep secrets, and I'm about to tell you a deep secret uh, and now our people in our podcast are going to hear this too. I have never seen a single Fast and Furious in my entire life.
1: Dog, how is that possible? The only reason <laughs> I've seen all the Fast and Furious is because during like a four-year period when I was like auditioning everywhere. Here, okay, Murphy's Law 2.0. Murphy's Law number one, everything that can go wrong will go wrong. Murphy's Law number two, some flight somewhere has a Fast and Furious film on what you can stream
0: online while you're in mid-flight. That's how I saw like all of them. I kid you not. You know what? I I there are other options out there. I've seen I've seen the LeBron James Space Jam. I just watched 007, which actually was great. It was pretty good. Really great movie. Um, I have not seen a single Fast and Furious, dude, or Hobbs and whatever you just said. Hobbs and Shaw. It's the spin off with the Rock and Jason Statham. So when you co- I've never seen Calvin and Hobbs. <laughs>
1: Ugh, oh, the blasphemy. Okay, so when you come back from Binghamton, if you go on the United Jet Blue app or whatever airline you're flying with, I would be
0: willing to bet you a pint there is a Fast and Furious film streaming. There is a Fast and Furious film on this. I fly Southwest. All right. Uh, shout out to Southwest. Not not a sponsor, but go ahead and be a sponsor. That'd be great. Anyway, um they do have a Fast and Furious, but I can't just go to Fast and Furious 9. I have to start from the beginning, right? Oh,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. This is a series built on a whole lot of lore, which was the word of last podcast is lore. So I remember that. I remember don't, that. Don't, skip, don't even skip
0: Tokyo Drift. I know a lot of people want you to skip Tokyo Drift. You got to watch that film. It's very important. That's Tokyo Drift is the only one that I remember. I don't even know any of the other ones. Uh, you don't remember what what they're Too called? Fast, Too Furious? Fast and Furious, Shyamalan Nights, Fast and Furious... <laughs> You know, what's so sad to your listeners is the fact that our
1: Fountain Fantasy text group has gotten so off the rails with just, like, trolling one another. I can't tell if he's just trolling me right now.
0: No, 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 no. This is is legitimate. This is friend to friend. have never seen a Fast and Furious in my entire life. Dude, we're going to change that. If anybody out there listening wants to be part of this watch party with us let me know we'll get you in it'll be great i mean now that i have like some time here um because this is definitely not a thing that my wife would watch with me i this this may be the opportune time for me to watch them so uh we'll see i mean definitely at least at glimmer glass i'll watch them because uh, you know yeah that's just sounds like a good glimmer glass thing to do middle of the woods watch fast and furious take notes while i'm watching fast and furious mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> sounds good to me So, ladies and gentlemen, as you see, season three is going to be more packed more fast and dare i say more furious not only more fast and furious but also more brewerious, as we've used a title in the past we're gonna have um some people on this this season that are that are beer aficionados that work in the beer industry just like reese does reese is an employee of boulevard brewing and uh we have a lot of great content for you this this season we are so excited so please consider contributing reese did you really talk about patreon Uh, that's how we got started in the fast and furious talk oh sorry i was (laughs) i don't know what i was doing uh just to reiterate what he said we we're really um we're really going to talk about patreon this year because we really want to boost our brand and and we're trying to tell people you know if you can donate two bucks a month think about how much you're spending on netflix think of how much you're spending on all these other things like we are obviously better than netflix you know like like what do you watch on Netflix, huh? Like Grey's Anatomy? Yeah, Reese and I are the Grey's Anatomy of podcasts. So spending $2 a month is nothing compared to those seven. So if we get you know several people to do that, then we're going to have enough money to market. Bring this podcast to the entire world and have some great stuff out there um so yeah reese how was how was your week you went to iowa didn't didn't you yeah i went to iowa over the weekend uh house sit for my parents as well as i took my
1: first voice lesson since covid hit uh the good news is vocal
0: technique you're you're now a baritone
1: i am now a baritone (laughs) i'll be singing all of the uh, uh what's the rep uh scorpion that's the big baritone role in tosca right
0: scorpion oh, no, i'm pretty sure it's scorpion see now you're trolling me dude no. uh anyway so first voice lesson
1: <laughs> since covid and what i was getting at is the important thing is good vocal technique is a lot like having a good jump shot it's the last thing to go so my diction terrible my interpretation terrible my technique though still there
0: so, still you boy. it's the silver lining
1: and everything. But no, while I was back home, I got to see some friends like friend of the podcast who has not yet made it onto an episode or been mentioned yet. I'm talking the OG Brendan Wood. So we're going to get him on there because I got to see him for the first time in like, again, I think since COVID. And uh, I also hung with Patron Zero, our good friend Jordan. He's doing well. Yeah, shout out Jordan. What's up, dude? He cracked some crispy sour beers because that guy is a sour connoisseur, so that was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, all things considered, it was a good trip back up to Iowa.
0: Excellent, excellent, man. And what
1: about you? How's the uh, the gig up in Binghamton <clears throat> going?
0: I am currently residing at a Red Roof Inn right now in Binghamton, New York. Mm. That's right. The Glamorous Life, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's actually actually not bad. Um I have learned a lot about living in hotels in the past few years, Not so um, um, I I'm all ready, man. No kitchen, no problem. for For dinner, I had a prosciutto salad with with raisins, goat cheese, and walnut. Oh my gosh! And man. you can you can make that all in a hotel, super easy. As long as you have a mini fridge, you can still eat healthy and eat with style. Oof. While I made that. I have some brown rice over there. Speaking about style, I was just joking with Reese off the podcast. I was like, you know what sounds good right now? If I go get some spam from Aldi's and bring it back and put it into my brown rice. After I just uh, after I just told the viewers that I eat goat cheese salads with prosciutto on it. Yeah, I know, right? It's just from like the
1: sublime to the ridiculous. But I mean, whatever it takes. I've had the weirdest things back when I was you know still gigging more regularly and having to live out of a shoebox or a hotel
0: room or heaven forbid a hostel d d d would in uh in the uh simpson dorms oh dude talk about that living dude, the Scrimson <laughs> dorms so oh, that was the life i'll tell you what though the best part was there were like
1: three really good disc golf courses then about all 15 20 minute drive of simpson oh yeah
0: man that's where it was at that's where it was at and they actually had a pretty nice gym too like oh. because because simpson is like a baseball uh a baseball university so they do mm-hmm. get good some good prospects out in simpson yeah. and their facility was legit we got to use it for free so that was nice. oh yeah dude those d3 iowa colleges all take their athletics super seriously so you
1: have a place like simpson it's like wow this would be like a 300 hundred dollar a month gym anywhere
0: else but now i get a yeah, train exactly. where the athletes train this is great <laughs> something that i took for granted as a college student like I, w- I went to school off the campus of case western reserve university which is like is just a random you know a good law school but Mm -hmm. nothing for sports i just had an amazing facility and i was just like eh, maybe i'll go to the gym sometimes and now i'm like rushing to a planet fitness oh dude i was like i'm gonna get i'm gonna get my ten dollars worth i'm going to planet fitness where before i had like you said i had like body mapping capabilities Mm -hmm. that i took for granted it's like 100 200 bucks if you want a body map now like just crazy dude you know i think i think my favorite memory of the simpson gym did you do this
1: there was a strip of astroturf the one behind the weight benches. Do you remember that? It was like the 40-yard strip. Oh, yeah. Uh And they also had a clock so you could like clock your 40 time on that and they had like the weight sled and all that jazz. Needless to say, one day I clocked myself doing a 40-yard dash just to see where I would be. Can I guess? Can I guess? Uh, You can guess, yeah. 5-5. I will not tell you my actual 40-yard dash time. All I know is that it did prove I am more mobile than Joe Burrow.
0: Oh! (laughs) Oh! Take that. That's right. That's right. For those of you that don't get that joke, we have a found in fantasy text message group from fantasy football. And it actually is more, it is more hopping right now than ever before, even <laughs> during fantasy football season. Not just because of what's going on, which we'll talk about right now free agency, but just. Good friends getting even better friends and good enemies being even better enemies. Yeah. Hoppin is <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Shout out to our guys. Hoppin' is just our vernacular way of saying toxic. <laughs> very, very much so. And like now now everyone's kind of in it. And usually normally it was just like me trying to like pick on people or Sam. And now now everyone's in it. It's it's getting pretty crazy, but fun. Love those guys. Um, do you know what also actually I don't know if I love this time of year Reese because the Chiefs the Chiefs always wait to the last minute when it comes to free agency and things always end up working out but boy am I scared so let's get into it Reese this episode we are going to talk about what is happening in free agency when it comes to the Chiefs and also after that we are going to break down what is happening in the AFC West and spoiler alert if you are a Chiefs fan yes You should be as scared as all of us are right now and everyone in Kansas City. But let's talk about the good. Then we're going to talk about the not so good, a.k.a. the horrible, a.k.a. the things that are pissing me off so much. So, 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 so much. But first, we talk about Justin Reed, our first big signing for the Kansas City Chiefs. Let me open it up real quick. Former Texans Justin Reed intends to sign a three-year, $31.5 million deal that includes a $20 million guarantee with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, A little bit more about Reed. He's 25 years old. Uh, He was a third-round pick in the 2018 draft. In 13 games last year, he had 66 tackles, 41 solos, two for a loss, four passes defended, and a forced fumble. Uh, Reese... Instant reaction to now having Justin Reed as your safety. I think it's a good pickup, especially the price we're paying for him.
1: I thought that Honey Badger's uh, pot that he was asking for was going to be a little bit too rich for our blood, and I think that's what turned out to be the case. I'm excited for Reed as well because he's bigger, he's faster, and he's about four or five years younger than HB is. So that's definitely an improvement in those regards. Because as we saw last year, the tricky thing was, there were a lot of times when Honey Badger came in and he was known for being a really good tackler. I think we likened him to like, you know, like a heat seeking missile, basically. He went after the target and he rarely missed. A lot of times this last year, he seemed to be shoulder tackling or like turning his back and trying to hit guys instead of tackle them, which I know people are saying business decision, but that's not the kind of stuff you usually see in contract years. Normally in contracts, you're just trying to show that you're worth acquiring that large contract and he was he wasn't looking like he was playing for it. and whether that's just because you know he's on he's 30 now and he can't hit guys like he used to in which case we're not going to pay him or you know if it was I I don't know what Uh, but no I, I like Reed I think he'll be immediately able to plug and play in this system I think he'll bring leadership athleticism good get
0: Yeah, just like you were saying, I think this is a great get because of Tyron Matthew asking for so much money. And I'm seeing a lot of comparisons in Kansas City media that they're trying to compare Justin Reed to Tyron Matthew and saying, you're going to get everything that you get from Tyron Matthew. Okay, I don't know if I'm going to go that far and say that Justin Reed is the prototypical Tyron Matthew. Like, look, Tyron Matthew is probably the greatest Chiefs free agent signing we've ever had. You know, for what we got out of him and the years we got him, for the Super Bowl that we got from him, look, great player. I don't know if... Justin Reed 2020 is going to be Tyron Matthew. I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but I'm just gonna say he's probably not, just because of Tyron Matthew's leadership, uh, him just being a veteran, being a Super Bowl champ, being able to rally that defense. I don't think we're gonna see that from Justin Reed from year one. Now we we might see it in a couple of years, but start right away. I don't know. What we are gonna see though, what you said was the athleticism of Justin Reed. I mean, Justin Reed, just from the few I've seen, I don't know, maybe 20 minutes of film already on just and read in the past couple seasons and he's a ball hawk. Excellent and excellent d- uh defender in the sense that he's athletic but can also be all over the field in a split second, which is what we need, which is what we don't have in Dan Sorens and Ben Neiman. We didn't have that entire Matthew and Juan Thorhill was kind of iffy iffy last year, right? We didn't see him take a lot of space in that field going from the right side to the left side, vice versa, up and down. All the film that I'm seeing from Justin, he moves in a split second. Um, And there's a lot of great film. There was one actually that I really enjoyed of Kareem Hunt going right down the middle and it's just him in open space. And Justin Reed was able to plan his feet, square up and make a really hard tackle. So that was promising to see because we've seen a lot of run games expose our defensive line. And as it looks, we may have the worst offensive line in the AFC West. So that might be even better for Justin Reed to be there to help us out. That's number one, his athleticism. Number two, um, he actually has a great IQ, kind of what we were saying as well, but also his leadership. Maybe he won't be Tyron Matthew that first year, but we've already seen with his tweets, uh, just a recent tweet, he said, I want to be a pro's pro, show up, do the work, be on time. Uh as much as we love Tyron Matthew, we did not see that on Twitter from Tyron Matthew. <laughs> we saw other things from Tyron Matthew. So it's nice to see someone that you know really cares about something like that um, and could grow into a role, into a very prominent role on this Chiefs defense. Um, and also, like I said in the beginning, he, he's a ball hawk. We've seen some Great interceptions from Justin Reed. He has the athleticism to get up, to go to different spots of the field. So I think it was a great pick, not only because of, of him, but the deal that we got for him was huge because now there's not that many people left, but now we have the money to go out and get guys that we'll talk about later for. But uh, that kind of helps us in that position. Um, any, actually, do we, not that I wanted to say anything bad about Tyron Matthew, but uh, do we have any parting words for Tyron Matthew? I kind of said my stuff. Reese, do you want to say anything before we Tyron Matthew might go somewhere yeah, else? We don't
1: know. I just want to say thank you to Tyron Matthew. I mean, he did a great job the three years he was here in Kansas City, and he was a big facilitator in turning around that dreadful 2019 defense. And I think that's probably the biggest thing he brought to the table was just that leadership because we were saying all 2019, which was the waffling year of Eric Berry being day-to-day – That what we missed most of all was having that field general in the secondary that could set up plays before the snap, tell everybody where they had to be, and could adjust on the fly. We saw it against the Chargers in 2019. Remember when we went to that game? It was Eric Berry's return game. He played the first half, looked really good. Second half, he didn't play because of the bone spur, and the defense started unraveling. That's what Tyron Matthew brought best. Tyron Matthew changed the attitude of that secondary. He gave him some swagger. He gave him direction more than anything else, and he gave him an identity. Although the defense is still not where we want it right now, Brett Veach said the same thing at the end of the season. What we don't need at this point is someone who can come in and make this secondary go from worst to first. The hemorrhaging has been stopped in large part to Tyron Matthew. I thank him for that. I think now it's time for us to get younger. We need to replace some players like Charverius Ward who have left, and we'll have some other people leaving in the years to come. So I think it's time to hand over the baton, start
0: the new command. Thank you for your hard work, Tyron Matthew. Well said, Reese. I have nothing to add to that. That was a very good sentiment. Uh, Since you did talk about Charverius Ward, why don't we just go right into Charverius? Um, One thing that I—well, sorry, I'll do my take after this. Um, So, Charverius Ward— uh, signs with the San Francisco 49ers, a three year deal worth $42 million with $26.7 million guaranteed. Uh, we saw, I think a couple nights ago, he posted at midnight. He was like, thank you. Who's his sports management team. Uh, UNI sports management. He was like, thank you. UNI sports manager. Very grateful. And I texted the group. I was like, he either is resigning with us or he's getting paid big somewhere else. And boy, Reese, did he get paid big. What are you? What is your reaction, Ward, to 49ers? Oh uh,
1: I'm very happy for him first as last. I mean, he's a guy that we picked up as an undrafted free agent as part of a trade with the Dallas Cowboys. And, I mean, we more than watched him grow into a starting cornerback in this league. I think he's probably a good cornerback one and a great cornerback two. So I think San Francisco has that coming for him, I will say. Congratulations on getting paid. I am happy you've earned every dollar of that. I am glad we're not the ones footing that bill. I can tell you around here the talk was that he was probably going to go for something like eh, four years, $40 million. And the talk was, do you want to pay $10 million a year for Charvarius Ward? And I didn't want to pay $10 million a year for Charvarius Ward. And I think that was kind of the general consensus and the fact now that he's getting like $14 million a year, which is almost one and a half times what the projected market value was, I would say we dodged a bullet. That doesn't mean he's not a great player, but there are contracts where you can you just can't afford to spend that much, no pun intended. That was just a contract we could not afford to spend that much. How do you feel about Charverius Ward no longer being our lockdown cornerback?
0: Man, I'm torn, Reese, because you know, out of everyone, that I was uh, probably the biggest Ward hater for the longest time. I would, I would make fun of his size. Um, I would be so upset when guys like Mike Williams would just ball on Charvarius Ward. Mm. Uh, and then I went from being the biggest hater to then being the biggest lover of Charvarius Ward this year. I mean, everything just clicked for him and Rashad Fenn, And I was so impressed. You know, one on one against Devontae Adams and the Packers, even against, even though Mike Williams had a really good game, still when when he played the uh, the Chiefs. Uh, He still played really well. Travarius Ward played really well on Mike Williams. Um, So we saw this big shift. Not only that, Travarius Ward uh, is a pro bowler this year because of all this. Um, So I'm really torn because you're right. I don't know if we could afford him or want to bring him back for $10 million. Uh, But at the same time, he's worth the money. I mean, there are not a lot of corners in 2021, at least, that played as well as Travarius Ward. Um, And I'm... I'm probably more upset than I am happy because all these weapons that are showing up in the AFC West, the thing that we need the most right now is that secondary, right? Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert. Um, who am I forgetting? Probably doesn't I mean, matter. Derek Carr still a dude Derek Carr at <laughs> Sorry, the Derek very Carr. least is a <laughs> I thought there was another dude, guy. He, in he's there. <laughs> still at least a top twelve quarterback in the league. We can agree on that, right? Sure. 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 Yeah, I don't know if I'd, yeah, I mean like right at 12 then I wouldn't put him anything higher than that, but yeah, sure. He's still a good quarterback, right? We, we make fun of him, but when you think of Russell Wilson and Justin Herbert, they, they don't need to rely on a certain guy, right? Justin Herbert doesn't need Keenan Allen. Russell Wilson didn't need Tyler Lockett. He can throw it to anybody, right? They can make a play for anyone. I mean, the, Darius Guyton became Justin Herbert's best receiver last year. No one knew who Darius Guyton was. So these are the guys that are going to be playing the Chiefs six times next year. So we need that secondary to be bolstered. And with Justin Reed and Rashad Fenton and LeJarius Sneed, very good. But boy, do we need another guy in there. So if we don't get that guy, Reese, that is comparable to Traverius Ward, Then we're in trouble, and I am upset with Travis Ward leaving. You know, I mean, a really good point. Uh, We have a lot of
1: work to do in the secondary now because, you know, we just talked about we're excited to have Reed come in. But he is going to be a first-year guy in the system, and he still has less years under his belt than Honey Badger did when Honey Badger joined us. So in every sense of the word, he is more green than we had at starting safety beforehand. So it doesn't help that you've lost your number one safety and now you've lost your at least probably 1A to maybe 2 cornerback. Depends on where you count with Sneed and all this. But all this to say, Traverius Ward has a skill set that's very hard to replicate and you can't just necessarily go out on the market or in the draft, and find someone that can do that without using a high draft pick or without spending the kind of money that Charvarius Ward just got. I think the biggest crime against Charvarius Ward or the biggest knock on his skills is he just had bad luck. I mean, he was more often than not in great position. It would make a great play on the ball. But as we saw in that first Cincinnati game, it's like how many times did he get a finger on the ball? And it would still just kind of like bounce right to the receiver. Or a number of times when he was in perfect position, but a quarterback would like throw it in the more perfect position to get it over him sort of thing. You know, throwing the golf ball in the trash can 40 yards down the field sort of pinpoint accuracy. So it's going to be tricky. It's going to be an interesting secondary this year. I think that kind of exemplifies why I really – am now starting to turn up the dial, my panic meter for the defensive line. Because as we've seen, Spagnola's defense, anywhere he goes, starts, ends, lives, and dies is dictated by defensive line play. And as we saw at the end of last season, with Joe Burrow getting bookended by eight-plus sack games in the playoffs, and we get one
0: on the guy, we got a little bit of defensive line work to do. This is a perfect segue reason to them trying to uh, restructure this line by restructuring Frank Clark's contract. Uh, Pro Bowl or Frank Clark has reworked his contract to stay in Kansas City. His new deal is two years with 25 million base with an upside of $36 million. Um, And from, I don't have the numbers up with me, but essentially the first year is guaranteed, the second year is a team option. So it's almost like we're getting him for one year for $11 million, I think is what we're, we're mm-hmm. hearing. Um, and then we're saving a lot on the cap, although we would um, spend only a million dollars more to cut him Uh From all that cap math, there's a lot of great guys on Twitter that break down all those things. I forget the guy um, who does it for the Chiefs, but there's a lot. If you want to go into those numbers, ladies and gentlemen, go to Twitter and you'll find it all. But essentially, he's taken a big pay cut, but he is still our edge rusher. Reese reaction. Now that our edge rushers. Now we're we're gonna go into the other AFC West. But uh, if you think of um, who did uh, Raiders, Chandler Jones, Max Crosby, uh, Chargers, Khalil Mack, uh, Bosa, the Chiefs, Frank Clark, Mike Dana.
1: Well, man, I think it. I. Really think it just puts more importance on trying to find a team-friendly one-year, maybe two-year deal to bring back Melvin Ingram to see if he still has gas left in the tank, because I thought he looked really good, and was a turning point in the defensive lines play last year. But you know, at first, you know, I was I was going all angry villager, grabbing my torch and pitchfork and saying, ah, you know, we gotta cut him, but. At the same time, I I saw it explained to me finally that it's like by restructuring his deal this way and bringing him back this year, we only would have saved $3 million had we cut him. So then the question becomes, can you get Frank Frank Clark equivalent play on a replacement player on that defensive line for $3 million? And I mean, mean, the answer is no. Unless you strike gold the middle of the season with another Melvin Ingram type pickup, you're not going to find Frank Clark level of play for $3 million. Now, what concerns me a bit is we've watched his play steadily decline over the last three years. He doesn't look washed, but we're less and less frequently seeing the play of Frank Clark, the shark. And it's more kind of like, I'll show up intermittently and I'm not going to tell you when. So, you know, <laughs> what do they say? It's like, it's better to have a bird in the hand than two in the bush. So I, having Frank Clark on defensive end is not a net negative. I'm glad we were structured. It looks like we can get out of his contract next year. So if anything, it looks like it bought us one more year before we have to panic buy on a replacement defensive end with a lot of capital, be it draft or financial.
0: Yeah, Um Look, I'm I, in the beginning of 2021, I was a Frank Clark defender, and then post-Uzi, I was not a Frank Clark defender, and still hold to that truth. Although, I will say, the only positive about this is that Frank Clark was not producing, like you said, to his contract, but what his contract is now restructured to, I think he's playing to that contract, right? So... Like you said, if we got an equivalent player of that money, uh, they would not be as good as Frank Clark. So it's good that we have him for that money. But I will say, even if we bring back Melvin Ingram and it's Melvin Ingram, Mike Dana, uh, Chris Jones, Frank Clark, that's still the worst defensive line in the AFC West right now, unfortunately. And and I'm not even kidding. Like the, the teams are just so Freaking good in the AFC West now, which we'll talk about in the second half. Um, I just hope that the signing of Frank Clark is not going to stop Brett Veach to still look either in the draft for a edge stud or some of these remaining guys that are still out there. Or even someone to play defensive tackle to help out Chris Jones. Even it doesn't have to be an edge rusher. Even if we get a stud, defensive tackle in free agency. Uh, Then I'm happy. But if if this means we don't do anything and we look elsewhere, right, we spend too much money to get a wide receiver or someone in the secondary, we're in trouble. And I don't like it.
1: I agree. I think it's all very good analysis. Uh, You know, the AFC West really has become an arms race for those defensive lines. But I think one thing you have to look at, too, is the fact that we also have the best offensive line in the AFC West. So, really, if anything, the other teams improving their defensive line is probably less less proactive than it is reactionary to the fact that we have a young, dominant offensive line that's only going to get better injuries notwithstanding. So I feel confident in that, and I think that's something we have to take solace in as well, is that last year we didn't even see the best this offensive line had to offer. Orlando Brown was out for periods of time toward the end of the year and was still getting used not being in a run first system we had third string right tackle andrew wiley playing i think it was at least half the season and you know i yeah i, I, I know injuries and Remmers. Yeah, yeah you know in, injuries happen that's a thing but at the same time that was basically without a starting right tackle now who knows what we're going to do this year if we're going to start Remmers, if you know niang finally mm-hmm. starts to live up to the draft potential we hope he will but again this offensive line's only going to get better. Patrick Mahomes isn't sitting behind some cheesecloth right now. He has some big, bad, bruising bodies who are going to lay everything on the line to keep number fifteen vertical.
0: You know, Patrick Mahomes has some big, bad bruises. You know, who else has some big, bad oh. bruises? That's right, aka, informally <laughs> known as referees the whatever bach lesnar he's got some badass brews so stay tuned ladies and gentlemen for a great beer review by referee
1: it's everyone's favorite time of the podcast that's right it is this week in craft beer the segment in our show where we talk about a story that's going on this week in craft beer, as well as review a delicious craft beer for your listening pleasure. This week, Armando, our story in craft beer has to do with March Madness. because Are you are you a big March Madness oh. fan? Do you like the NCAA tournament?
0: Yeah, you know, I'd, I, I'm going to be in a, a money pool this year, so I really like to do my research. I haven't done a lot this year on it, but... Yeah, you know, I'll probably spend like two to three hours before I do my bracket just researching Cinderella teams, all like yeah, that good stuff. Yeah, totally. I like it a lot. I think it's,
1: it's almost the perfect sporting event. You know, you have like all those teams that really have no business just kind of on paper playing with some of these other teams. It'd be like, you know, in college football. If you're like, oh, cool, this is awesome. I'm going to watch South Dakota square off against Alabama for no reason. And there's a puncher's chance that they might actually beat Alabama. Ah. Yeah, no, it's perfect. All this to say, uh, you're familiar with Untapped, obviously. Of course. So Untapped has released uh, their annual March. Ma- uh, they can't. Sorry, I can't say. I can't say that word. Uh, they have released. Oh no! <laughs> their annual. <laughs> We're fired. Their, no. They're. Uh, <laughs> they've released their Brewery Madness Challenge for the year, which I'm super excited about because the Brewery Madness Challenge. They take the 64 most checked-in breweries of the year, and they put them in a giant NCAA tournament-style bracket. And
0: and this
1: year, Boulevard has made the cut as one of the top 64 most checked-in breweries of the year. So we are squared off in the first round with three Floyds. Oh, no! Yeah, dude, that's...
0: A giant as well. Well, here's the
1: thing: there's no seeding in this tournament that I can tell. It just looks like oh, you got to yeah, well, see. Come and on. and the, the reason I say that, I, I'm bemoaning this as somebody who has a hard first round matchup. Like I'm looking at some of these, and no disrespect, these are all great brewers. But like, if we're going to compare like the size and the scope of some of these, like how do you wind up with Boulevard versus Three Floyds in the first round, but then like further down you have Aslin Brewing versus Trillium Brewing companies, like? shouldn't shouldn't you kind of seed and feed some of these people unless they're like trying to take the seeding bias out of it and this is just like pure who can get people to check in sort of thing?
0: you know what I'm saying oh so so they win de- so they win depending not on vote but on how many are checked in in the month in the month that is March. the big thing so first
1: round window is
0: gonna be Thursday at midnight.
1: Until Friday, 11.59. Okay. And the brewery in the matchup that has the most beers checked in during that time advances.
0: What? It's a pr- but Thursday... I mean, Thursday's not like a down day for breweries, but it's not a great day for breweries. I just want to St Patrick's Day. Oh. hmm so then it's not its not like who has the best spirits, who has the best Irish well, ale, which Boulevard is a pretty freaking good I Irish ale. I will say,
1: ale. we did not get the shortest end of this stick. Uh, Deschutes is matched up with Guinness, <laughs>
0: with the first round Ooh. being on St. Patrick's <laughs> Day. That's pretty savage. Rib. rip. <laughs> Rip, what do they have? they, they have like a Crested Butte Porter? I mean, or something. Crested, Crested
1: Butte. Yeah, I mean, Fresh Squeezes. I forget what it's called. Or Obsidian. Obsidian's really. Good. I
0: mean, I, I mean, just for just for like St. Oh. Patrick's Day, like how can Deschutes even? No, that's that's unfair. That's just, like Rip. Guinness should have just had like a first round buy because
1: I mean they're a huge brewery to begin with. I'm looking at these breweries like I, I, there's not a whole bunch on here that are the size of Guinness. Uh, all that being said, some interesting matchups. Man, there are some. There are some thick first-round matchups in here. So I'm just going to go by. Uh, oh, my gosh. Dude, it's like, it's like the more you look, the more savage it gets. I'm going to go up the list here. Where do, where do I find this? Send me this link. Oh, dude, you just got really small in the broadcast now. Did you, like, zoom out of your, your chat window?
0: No, I'm still in. Oh, hold on. This is weird. <laughs> I fixed you. Sorry okay, about good. that. I was going to say, I look normal. I look normal on this Sorry, guy.
1: Now you look normal again on here. I don't know what happened. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our first time doing a video podcast. so We ran into some errors. Uh, bear with us. But it's all yeah, good. Yeah, but it's all good. Anyway, back to back to the ruckus here. So these are some first round matchups for you. Reingeist versus Russian River.
0: Ooh, well, Russian River is probably going to win. Sorry, Reingeist, but you're good.
1: Cigar City
0: versus Prairie. Ooh, Cigar City's probably going to win again. Sorry, Firestone <laughs> Walker versus Founders. Ooh, that actually, that's a matchup because those are similar uh, brewery, like, uh, per capita. You totally. You know what I mean? And that's the thing. Like, it's it not necessarily quality of beer. It's how big is your brewery and, like, your tap rooms, essentially, if it's going to be based on checked in. Um, or your national distro. So that's really what it is. So Guinness might win by a landslide. I got some more (laughs) savage ones on here.
1: Kona versus Stone. Ooh, that's actually going to be good. Revolution
0: versus Oscar Blues. Oh, Oscar Blues will win because they have more distro than Revolution. But Revolution, again, probably better. Sorry, Oscar Blues. Revolution, better quality beer. But Oscar Blues has the more national distro. They're probably going to win the checking
1: game. Dogfish Head versus Great Lakes. Oh, Surly versus your boys,
0: Weldworks. Oh, oh, good good for Weldworks being in the 64 because their budget is mid-tier. Dude, but, I don't know if they're going to get that because they don't really... I think that they might make a St. Patrick's Day beer, but they normally don't invest in their stats. I mean,
1: there's some other pretty decently tricky ones here. Uh, Elysian has to go up against uh, Drecker. And, well, no, it's a pretty easy one for Goose Island. See, Goose Island got Dewclaw. And Boston Beer Company got the brewing project. It's like, come on, man. It's oh, like...
0: Oh, that's rigged. That's yeah, rigged. You got you to spread the love
1: here a little bit. I mean, there, like I said, there are some tricky matchups in here. But there are also some like, you know, Breckenridge versus Bearded Brewing Company. Main Beer Company uh. versus... Oh, where'd they go? Uh, Main Beer Company versus Hot Butcher for the World. You know, it's...
0: Oh my god. I'm just saying, spread the wealth for some of these brutal matchups. You know, hats Yeah, your 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 matchup is equivalent to like an 8 9 matchup. Uh, yeah,
1: we we have a super there's a lot of 8 9s here. You know, we we need some 312s. We need some huh, we need some 311 in here because amber ale is the color nice, of my dude. energy. Uh hey. one last thing. Just looking forward. I mean, obviously you can't look too forward in the tournament, but so, if we win, we play the winner of that main beer versus hot butcher for the world competition. Uh, the big dog mm. in our quadrant that we would face in the Sweet 16, hypothetically, looks like it would be New Belgium.
0: Ooh. Yeah. So they should, they should change the rules and have it based on like, people voting for what is the better brewery, I think that would be more interesting, and that would be more... Because, like, the people on Untapped are actually... Well, no, I don't want to say that they're, like, aficionados, but they know about beer, right? No one's ta- no one's untapping Bud Light or, like, Michelob Ultra or, like, Keystone or Stone. Yeah.
1: Or, you know, <laughs> you know what would be cool, too, is if, like, you created some sort of, like, BCS aggregate formula where it's, like, a culmination of weight for number of check-ins... The average rating of the beers being checked in, and then like a fan vote, because then you have like the AP, the coaches poll, and the BCS poll all in one.
0: I, you you might be the only
1: BCS cheerleader I've ever I've nah, ever known. Dude, BCS was garbaggio, but I'll tell you what, there was there was at least some method to the madness. And I just want to say disclaimer one more time about this entire tournament. I am not knocking any of these breweries by any stretch. My oh, my yeah, no. my bemoanings of some of these matchups are the fact that you just have, like, in terms of size, scope, and distro, some of these massive breweries going against each other, like Rheingeist and Russian River in the first round. It's just like, you see that stuff in the round of 32 and the round of 16, not in the opening round most times. So, all these are fantastic <laughs> breweries. Shout oh, yeah. out.
0: Yeah, I mean, the... W- you know, the thing I miss about brewery culture when I work there is is really that everyone is a family. You know, it's not competition. It's, you know, everyone is trying to help each other out and promote each other's beer. And, of course, if someone from, you know, per- Perennial comes into Boulevard, mm-hmm. they all get free beer, you know, and vice versa. Absolutely. So, great community. Love, love the beer community. Amen. And with that said, let's do a beer review, baby. What are you going to review for us today? Our first... Um, non-live recorded podcast oh, well
1: so I told you that our boys Prairie are in here correct ooh yep Prairie uh, Prairie Artisan Ales is in the first round of the tournament yes. and subsequently I'm gonna have to rep them today for your listening pleasure I will be reviewing Thai Delight Treat a sour ale with mango flaked rice and coconut grain
0: oh my goodness that sounds delicious and for those of you who don't know we have our mount crushmore which is um a playoff of obviously mount rushmore of our favorite beers and prairie ales is on our mount crushmore collaboration with boulevard um so i we are we love prairie ale uh, and we were very looking We're looking forward to it, Reese. So, for those of you playing at home, we rate our beers with different categories, starting with aroma, then appearance, flavor, mouthfeel, aftertaste, and the ever-changing category: stonks drinkability quotient. Stonks up or stonks down on that beer? And we rate those beers zero being the worst of that category and ten being the best. Of that category. So Reese, crack that beer open, put in the glass, and let us know what the aroma is. (laughs) All right, ASMR Reese. That's right. For those of you that don't know ASMR Reese, go back to season two. All right.
1: Let's see how this guy looks. Oh, that's awesome. All right, opening her up, Armando. What
0: is category number one? Aroma, what is the smell of that thick, thick sour? All right, this is an initial smell. Letting it open up really quick.
1: Man, that does smell like Thai food. I mean, it absolutely does. You get the coconut cream in there, absolutely. Uh, It really balances out the pineapple and yeah, you can you can smell it sour. You know how you can smell something, and it's like, eh. it's like, yeah, you're definitely getting that on there. This is a what was it four and a half percent kettle sour, I believe. Uh, five point one. Clo- Wait, sorry, it's dark in here. Yeah, it's five one. Sorry, <laughs> I uh, I have bad eyes, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, all that to say, it's a very interesting smell to it. Uh, I like interesting. I like delicious, so I'm going to give this an 8.9 on aroma.
0: Ooh, 8.9 high remarks off the bat, so that's excellent. Reese, tell us about the appearance of well, that. Well, now sour. that we're
1: doing video, I can actually just show you. As you can see, that is pretty. Do not cool. adjust your screens, ladies and gentlemen. This is like a very milky yellow color. Uh, I would lighten it, liken it to. You know how when you're on color palettes on, like, Photoshop, there's yellow, there's canary, and then there's lemon? And lemon is, like, a little more kind of pastel muted yellow. That's really what I'm getting here. It is incredibly hazy, as I cannot see through this whatsoever. It really does look like someone just dumped a bunch of coconut cream in a beer to really mm-hmm. make it viscous. Uh, the lace on this is really interesting in that I'm not getting a whole bunch of carbonation clinging to the glass, But there is a lot of cloud being left on the glass. Maybe you can kind of see. Well, you can't really see that from where you're at. But
0: Yeah, I see a little uh, bit. I almost
1: want to liken it to leaving like a haze or a film on the glass, which I know sounds very disgusting. But I think it's interesting. So for appearance on this, I mean, this looks like a Thai food treat beer. So, you know, props to them. They did it. 9.2.
0: Ooh, 9.2. You know what? Weldworks had a um, mango lassi sour that looks exactly like that. And that was definitely by far in the summer. It was one of our, it was the highest um, rated and like picked beer. Mm -hmm. So great, great for the summer months. Great for what's about to come. Um, flavor, Reese, our favorite category. Tell us what... You get a lot of coconut. What do you get? Sweetness, too much sour. It's just a beautiful, beautiful conglomerate of all three. Maybe some other things. What do you got? Hmm.
1: You know, it's really interesting. I think the coconut cream really balances out the sour notes in the sense of, like, when you initially... Let it sit in your mouth for a second. You get all that kind of like borderlining pucker sour on there. And when you like breathe out after you swallow, you're waiting for your mouth to do that thing where it just kind of like puckers in on itself. But it doesn't. And I really liken that to the coconut cream in there. It's very tasty. It's very refreshing. A little bit of pineapple in there not as much as it looks or smells a lot of kind of a grainy quality to it Uh, I'm trying to see what else they said was in here and if I'm picking it up I can't say I get the mango as much but I do get the flaked rice I think that's kinda that grainy taste I'm getting all things considered tastes like a very sour Thai curry I think what could have been cool is if they would have maybe added a little bit of curry powder or spice to this to give it just like a touch of heat on the back, but that's not what we're reviewing. This is still very delicious. I'm going to give it, this is probably an 8.9. 8.9,
0: ooh, a lot of high remarks on this beer. Um, Mouthfeel, Reese, what is the mouthfeel? It looks heavy, but is it actually heavy? Maybe because it's a lighter beer, it's not as heavy. What do you got? It's a fairly light mouthfeel, all things considered, not too dissimilar from
1: water. Considering there's not a lot of carbonation in head or in glass that I can see, there's an awful lot of sparkling notes going on in the mouth, which makes this, again, feel a little bit lighter and kind of cuts through some of that coconut creaminess. Uh, A lot of pucker to it, considering it's only a 5% kettle sour, but... All things considered, I think it has a nice mouthfeel that can be a little fatiguing if you have two or three of these at 5%, which is possible. Mm-hmm. So for that, I'm going to give mouthfeel probably about an 8.3
0: on this one. 8.3? Okay. Still still very, very solid numbers, Reese. <laughs> um, aftertaste. What is the aftertaste on this beer? After you take that second sip that second time it comes down, do you get any more flavors than on the back end. you know I would say the back end is probably where the rice comes in.
1: you know there, there's like absolutely no hot flavor of this don't don't be expect any of that obviously. I think if you really try I would say the coconut and that itty bitty bit of mango comes in from the aftertaste from it. It's a pretty uniform beer flavor-wise. It really doesn't change on the back than it does in the front. So, you know, I like beers that kind of have a a two-pronged approach to them. This ain't that beer. That's not a bad thing.
0: But aftertaste, 8.2. 8.2, 8.2, another solid, solid number. Last but not least, Reese, we have the Stonks drinkability quotient. For those of you new to the podcast, it's it's how badass is this beer? I mean, how awesome is this beer? What is unique about it? You know, how how does this beer make you feel? Even even incorporate the can art, you know. What what is the overall awesomeness? Stonks up. Well, so there's a lot of things going here. Uh, that's a really cool can design. That is exactly what you're drinking right yes, there.
1: Oof. I love the checkerboard pattern. I'm a sucker for to, to checkerboard. Uh, it's black and gold. Go Hawks. And, you know, <laughs> the beer itself is very unique. I think Prairie, you know, is known a lot for Prairie Bomb and their big Imperial Stouts they do, which are, you know, second to none in my opinion. But I think they're also deceptively a sleeper brewery for making some fantastic sours that are very unique. I mean, one that really sticks out to me is I had Spicy Pickle Monster over the summer that legitimately did taste like a spicy dill pickle. This one, a Thai Delight Treat Sour, which, yes, it does taste like Thai food without being too offensive. Uh, I think Prairie is one of the best breweries in the game today for making fun, unique beers. This beer reflects that. So for that reason, Stonk's Drinkability Quotient of this beer is a 9
0: nine all right it's pretty solid numbers across the board reese i really enjoyed that beer review um i hope i get to try some of that when i so did you get that at the did you get that at boulevard or did they have it at? The I, I, I got it from
1: the pairing shout out to the pairing front of the podcast
0: parent the pairing just getting so many great beers shout out to the we we got to have their beer buyer on just to talk about you know how they're getting all these clients because they have a the really great product they know they're so, doing um stay yeah, so stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen, for some more beer content. Again, we're the only podcast in Kansas City that covers Kansas City sports and talks about craft beer and the craft beer industry and interviews craft beer people. So you got to love this podcast. Also donate on Patreon because that would be awesome. And next we're going to talk about the other upsetting things that are happening in the afc west and the afc in general so we're going to break down those free agents and we may even do a re-ranking we 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 ranked last week reese but we may have to do another re-ranking of the afc west stay tuned hello ladies and gentlemen are back from our beer review segment. I hope you enjoyed that. I sure did. Um beer uh, I just call you beers. I was going to call you beers. <laughs> Reese's beer review was solid. Makes me want a mango like Thai themed sour. Uh but unfortunately, I'm here in my hotel and all I have is water. After my first run though, so I start rehearsals tomorrow. After that when I feel, you know, I I know the people, know the maestro and everything, then I'll probably, I'll probably kick one back tomorrow night. But uh, uh, tonight, keeping it cool. But boy, boy did that make me thirsty, Reese. And you know what's making me thirsty for a pass rusher? <laughs> the AFC West is making me very thirsty for a pass rusher because we thought we had it all, Reese. I mean, this whole offseason, we're saying, you know what? We got Tyreek Hill, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey. We got an amazing O-line, we got Chris Jones, we got Tyron Matthew. Yeah, things have changed. Things have changed, and the arm race is unbelievable. Let me read off what has happened in the past couple days, just so I know you know, but just for our audience to know as well. We all know Russell Wilson to Denver. Then Khalil Mack and J.C. Jackson, both unbelievable elite at their positions, go to the L.A. Chargers. Then after that, the Raiders go, hold my beer. They sign Chandler Jones with a three-year deal for more than $51 million and extend Max Crosby for $95 million. Then what else happens? Let's see. I guess that's all that happened. Those are kind of the big ones, um, and then we have uh, Rocky Sin also going to the to the Raiders, I believe. Um, so a lot of different things are happening in the AFC West that are not good for the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, every defensive line is unbelievably stacked. Jones and Crosby. We got. Um, we got Khalil Mack and uh, and Joey Bosa. We got Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory. Oh, I forgot that. Randy Gregory goes to the Denver Broncos as well. So we got Randy Gregory and we got Bradley Chubb in Denver now. Reese, nothing, nothing is okay anymore. So t- a two-part question for you. One, I want you to re-rank now. I want you to re-rank the AFC West. And then, wherever you put the Chiefs, I then want you to look at who is still out there and who can change your mind as to where you put the Chiefs. Like, even if you put them one, um, how are we retaining that, right? Who's left and who's going to help this team?
1: Well, I think I said it last podcast and I think it's only gotten more egregious since last podcast, that on paper, we are not the best team in the AFC West anymore. I think if I had to rank on paper how teams are looking, I would say Chargers number one, Broncos number two, us number three. Now, that being said, we really haven't made any free agent moves. Tyron Matthew Farid, as we talked about, is probably a lateral trade, all things considered. But we haven't added anybody dynamic on the defensive line, we re-signed Frank Clark instead of going younger and more explosive. We lost our best cornerback, arguably, in Charvarius Ward, and we have yet to replace him. However, the offseason, as we pointed out, is really a two-pronged thing. You have your free agent signings, and you have your draft signings. So, as I alluded to last podcast as well, this will probably be the most important draft in the Brett Veach-Andy Reed era. Reason being, we've seen a lot of reactionary moves now from a lot of teams. Denver was a quarterback away from actually having a competent offense to compete. They went out and got a competent quarterback in Russell Wilson. The San Diego, yes, San Diego Chargers uh, were very good offensively last year. I wouldn't say they were crazy explosive or lights out, but they were incredibly consistent. You never saw them sputter, even if they never reached the highest of highs. Their defense, on the other hand, was pretty repugnant. And what have they done? They've gone and shored up that defense. They've gone and fixed it up right this offseason. But we still have to remember, we have the best offensive line in the league. I know they can only do so much. And Patrick, this is only going to put more pressure on Patrick and the receivers to really shore up that passing game and figure out a running game because we now have players in this division who will eat us alive. They will make us pay for our mistakes. So the question now is, we have seen the retort from all these teams to match our offensive line overhaul and to try and match up with our incredible weapons in Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. So the question is now, how do we react, be it in the remaining free agency period or
0: in this draft? That's how I see it. What are your
1: rankings for the AFC West?
0: Oh boy, um... I agree with you somewhat. So, number one, on paper, the Chargers look the best offense, defense combined. Yes, the Chiefs have the best offense in the NFL and one of the best in NFL history. But what the what the, sorry, the defense just does not match that offense where the Chargers look very balanced. Right. They got a great running game. They got great receivers. Right. Mike Williams getting paid the bank now, which, you know, that's going to incentivize him to play even better than how he played last year. And now you got J.C. Jackson ball Hawken over there. Where Tyreek Hill normally plays, you also got Derwin James coming back. I mean, talk about not having to double-team Tyreek Hill anymore and now putting more pressure on Travis Kelsey, on whoever our number three receiver is. Like, that doesn't look good. Oh, yeah, and by the way, Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa coming at Patrick. Mahomes. So they look great. I think right now they're definitely number one. I would still put us at number two because I think our offense is still a lot better than the Broncos. Uh, Like my argument last last week, tell me why Russell Wilson, Tim Patrick, Cortland Sutton is all of a sudden better than Russell Wilson... Tyler Lockett and DK Madcalf and if you say that it's not better then why weren't you saying that the Seahawks were Super Bowl contenders last year right with that offense so that's still my argument so I would say Chiefs number two and then now Broncos three but boy is that three getting pretty close to our number two not to say that it was super far down beforehand but it's pretty freaking close now with the pass rush Um, like you said our offensive line is amazing Um, so that is going to help a lot, but someone's still going to get to Patrick Mahomes, right? Patrick Mahomes is still going to get rushed. You know, if there's 700 snaps in a season, he's going to get he's going to get rushed a hundred of those. You know, which is still a lot. So, I see a lot of problems if we do not shore up that defensive line. I think if we're going to spend any money, it's got to be another edge rusher. Mike Mike Dana is not the answer for us there, right? Technically, he is our only pass rusher, despite Frank Clark, because Melvin Ingram's not signed. Um, So, boy, do we need someone there. Uh, I would love for us to spend money there. If we're not going to spend there, then we got to spend on a cornerback. Um, I don't know what Patrick Peterson looks like right now, but according to NFL Network, uh, Patrick Peterson and the Chiefs have talked. Is is he the answer? I don't know, but that would be nice. It would be nice to have a Patrick Peterson um, to shore up our cornerback situation. Um, There's another guy out there that's escaping my mind, but uh, there are a couple guys still out there. Oh, uh, um, Gilmore, Carson, Carson Gilmore from from the Patriots. Am I getting? That? Yeah, I'm getting that name right. Um, He's still out there, an elite cornerback, and I don't mind spending money on Gilmore. Man, if we can get Gilmore, I think things will be much better. So if we can get either of those guys, that's great. I would not like, and we can debate this as well, if we paid the bank for Allen Robinson or Julio Jones, who's now been released, meaning that we don't get an elite pass rusher or cornerback, then I think we're in trouble. I think we're in trouble. But even if we spend a first-round pick on a stud there, I don't think a first—I don't think a rookie is going to impact that line so much that it takes us to the Super Bowl. What do you What do you think, Reese? What do you What do you think about my argument saying if we spend too much on wide receiver two, and we don't spend on a corner or an edge, we lose. Well, the reason I keep bringing up the fact that
1: what the Broncos and the Chargers are doing is more reactionary than proactive is the fact that they are really mortgaging their teams for the next two to three years, putting all their chips in and going all in to win a Super Bowl. And that's because, you know, they've got Herbert on a rookie deal for another two, three years and the Broncos, you know, at best, they'll probably have another two or three years of elite play from Russell Wilson because Russ has not looked good the last two or three years. So they are really in win-now windows. Whereas I think the Chiefs need to play this proactively and say, well, we're not going to react to their reactions. We need to just kind of take this year to rebuild in the draft and then we can stack that with another draft and maybe another offseason acquisition or two. And suddenly at the end of that two-three-year to window, we're more set up for the next three to five years because these teams are reeling in from big contracts. They don't have rookie quarterbacks on rookie deals anymore. So that's why I'm saying don't Punt, don't punt, but you don't have to compete and be all in on a Super Bowl every single year. I hate the Patriots dynasty comparisons, but in this case, the Patriots were consistently in the AFC title game and in Super Bowl contention. Largely because they never really went all in. There were periods of times, we forget, Tom Brady won a decade between uh, Super Bowl appearances for a while there. Right. And even when they were making the AFC title game consistently in kind of the mid-late 2000s, they weren't always great Patriot teams. But they were consistent teams that never really flinched or reacted to what the rest of their foes and their rivals in the AFC were really doing. So that, to me, is why I'm okay with the Chargers and the Broncos putting on these huge giant contracts what equate to aging players because just weather the storm and trust the process, Lord willing, there's plenty more Patrick Mahomes ball ahead of us.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's a really, and we can spend another hour on this, so I'll keep it short, but it is interesting to see everyone in the AFC West going straight up Rams right now. Like the Los Angeles Rams, forget your picks, forget your money, go way over the cap go all-in. Again, only one person wins the Super Bowl. So for all of them to go all-in, there's massive repercussions for those that do not win the Super Bowl. And we're just talking our division, right? Everyone else is—and we're going to talk our the full conference right now to end the segment—but— um, if everyone else is doing it, your chances of then that working of going all in is now extremely small. All to say the Chiefs just need another guy is what I'm trying to say. Like, yes, I'm, I'm worried, but at the same time, the Chiefs really just need to plug and play one dude and we're right in there with everyone and, and I like our chances. Um, so that is a plus with everything that's going on because if it doesn't work out, Russell Wilson probably doesn't work out. Broncos are done for a decade. If the Chargers doesn't work out, they're not done for a decade but they're they're done for a pretty long time if Khalil Mack is about to retire or JC Jackson's contract gets too big the raiders if it doesn't work out and they don't have a quarterback it's a, it's a, it's a decade plus they don't have success so we're all banking on all those things happening uh now Reese to end the segment let's talk about two other transactions outside of the AFC West and i want you to rank at least where the chiefs are um, so, like, the Chiefs and above, I want you to rank the AFC in general. Because the Bills just signed Vaughn Miller, and the Ravens just signed Zadarius Smith. So, give me your AFC rankings. You don't have to put the Ravens there if you don't want to, but um, until you hit the Chiefs. Go for it. Uh, You know, this is really hard. I think
1: the AFC is as deep as it's ever been, at least in our lifetimes. I think you have... I think it's more of a tier system at this point than a true rating system that I can give. I think on paper, the best team is probably the Chargers still. But if we're going to have the top tier, it, you know, you're know, you probably looking at Chargers, Chiefs, Broncos, uh, Bills, Bengals... And then, like, Ravens, if they're healthy, sort of on the outside, looking in of that tier. But, I mean, there's there's six teams. There's your entire playoffs. Oh, really and it, uh, That's not yeah. even counting what happens, you know, teams that can instantly get better, like the Colts, depending on their quarterback situation. If Mitch Trubisky mm-hmm. winds up playing back to his, uh, you know, first-year starting potential with the Bears, he wasn't terrible the double-doink year. So the Steelers are kind of right in there. Oh, Steelers can definitely be a wild card, yeah, no yeah, doubt. I mean, yeah, absolutely. And that's not even counting you know, if the New England Patriots continue to get better, You know what goes on with McDaniels down in uh, Miami. So I would say you have the obvious, you have the playoff hunting teams, but that's just how I see the AFC personally.
0: Man, I don't like that I that I'm agreeing w- with this list, but I am going to... Well, I guess I have to agree with my own list, but I don't like that my list is this. Number one, I think the Bills now are the best AFC Blue. team. I I like how they're constructed. They We already had fits with them beforehand. Having, having Von Miller with their pass rush is already excellent. They didn't shore up the secondary. I get that. I know that's probably what no, you're going to talk about. No. But they're... I think their offense is just so explosive. They are one of the few teams that can get away with having that average defense that we've talked about before. And Von Miller kind of puts them over the edge of maybe not being like maybe being average to above average defense, because again, they were the number one defense before they played us, regardless of the people that we didn't like. Yeah, yeah, I know. We'll talk about that. Uh, I, I don't like it as much as you do, Reese, uh, but I don't like it for different reasons. Let me finish my list and then you can debate me. Uh, Number one, Bills. Number two, Chargers. Number three, Chiefs. Number four, Bengals. I hate the acquisitions that the Bengals have done. I hope Sam doesn't make it all the way to the end of this podcast because what I'm going to say is that offensive line with Joe Burrow might be very dominant next year. Like, the fact that Joe Burrow might have an extra couple seconds, doesn't have to scramble, doesn't have to get sacked a thousand times, that's going to be a really freaking good offense if those offensive guys pan out. So that's my list, Reese. What do you got? I'm going to start with the very top of the
1: Bills. Uh, Watching the AFC title game last year. Do you really think the Bills – were you saying to yourself, man, these Bills are an over-the-hill 30-year-old plus Von Miller away from beating the Chiefs? Really? (sighs) I don't think so. I mean, I'm not going to pretend they're not better with Von Miller, but that's not why they lost to the Chiefs. That defense was an absolute paper cannon. I think although they were the number one ranked team, we pointed out many times when they played top three teams from either conference, they allowed like 30-plus points per game. They were good at beating up the little pups, but when it came time to actually run with the Wolves, they were fine, but far from the best defense in the league. Now, going farther down there, I think you could say, were the Chargers a healthy Khalil Mack, a healthy Bosa, a better secondary away from beating the Chiefs and being really good last year? Yeah, I think that's a little more tangible and realistic than the Bills situation. That's not to say the Bills can't add some players in the draft and get better, But, I'm just saying. Other teams, I think the Bengals have made some interesting acquisitions. Uh, I said it last year, and nothing's really changed for me this year. I think uh, the Joe Burrow and the offensive explosion of those players, particularly we saw in the playoffs, was vastly skewed and overrated by those two games where Burrow went off for like 450-plus yards back-to-back. Because to me, Burrow is much like the Chiefs, where it's like you're only as good – as you're playing consistently. Burrow did not play consistently well last year. And some might point to his offensive line, but like I said, all three of those playoff games he played in the AFC, those weren't murderer's rows of defenses. Still didn't look so great. But they do have young talent. They do have a pretty good quarterback with a lot of weapons to choose from. But I will also be interested to see how teams play Joe Burrow once they have a little bit more tape on which they do now, to see his deficiencies in his arm strength and forcing him to make some of those pinpoint throws that we saw a few times, he wound up thrown in the dirt. So, that's my uh, retort to your AFC rankings.
0: <laughs> Let me, I'll counter-argument and then I'll All end right. it. Um, so, your question, were, were the bills of Von Miller away from beating us? Okay, fine. Maybe not. But I think Von Miller is more than his age right now. I think he's still... Sh- I, I don't know if he showed fatigue in the Super Bowl. I thought he looked great in the Super Bowl. And having a guy that can will his way in, like, on that defensive line, inspire that defense, I think more of a... Maybe I, I'm thinking more of a leadership role as opposed to athletic role. But still, athletically, he looked great in the Super Bowl. I mean, Bowl. yeah. So I don't know what version of Von Miller we're going to get, but... I will say that the Bills offense, no one had an answer for that Bills offense the entire year except for the fluke Jets game and the Patriots game. And the Jaguars game. game. So I still think... And the Jaguars game. Well, those are, game, right? those all are these, three right. teams but, uh, that
1: didn't have an answer for I'm just saying.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, right, fine, fine. But it's all like... Look, did they really bring it? I don't know. Um, I'm just saying that team looks very dominant offensively. And putting Von Miller on that team makes them... Average E above average E, which is, to us, when we've talked about this before, a Super Bowl formula.
1: But Von Miller won't have a transcendent talent drawing double teams every play and still busting through on the Bills. They don't. Even if you put him on the Chiefs right now, Chris Jones, as good as he is, is not an Aaron Donald pulling all of that. I think it's kind of the same with Odell Beckham. It's like, yes, he played better with the Rams, But he had Cooper Cup and a lot of other weapons distracting to let him get more open. Whereas on the Browns last year and the year before, even it's kind of like, okay, this is probably going to. If it's not getting handed off, they're probably looking for OBJ right away. So just don't let OBJ blow by you. Let's double team him. Let's bracket him.
0: You know. So again, the Bills. Yeah, I'm. I I definitely have Super Bowl goggles on right now. Like I am totally going off the film that I saw in the Super Bowl. Like if Von Miller if he goes off the cliff. And or maybe he only plays like that half the time, then yeah, maybe the Bills aren't the best. But on paper right now, just on paper, and just what I've seen, I would put the Bills number one. But again, if the Chiefs... Pay somebody tomorrow. That is an impact player on defense. The Chiefs are automatically number one for me. I'm just, uh, I'm just really trying to inspire the Chiefs because I know Brett Veach watches our podcast and he goes, man, he, he has his he has his uh, Arthur fist right now on the bottom. <laughs> and he he putting the Bills number one. So hopefully this inspires him. Uh, but that's why they call me Hot Take Mondo, man. That's why they call me Hot Take Mondo. Reese, any last comments before we wrap this up? You know, I really
1: can't think of anything. Uh, Thank you for bearing through our first video podcast. The good news is, it only goes up from here. So, keep tuning in if you like this. Share it with some people. Tell them to listen either on Spotify or where their podcasts are found. Or tell them to come on YouTube. Give it a watch. It's always fun.
0: And stay tuned for more content season 3, Locked and Loaded, next week. I don't know what we're going to talk about, but there's some baseball happening so stay tuned we we might talk some baseball we got reese with his royals it's actually really great doing the video chat reese because when we don't have video chat it's really easy for us to go okay stop and then we could like redo our take this we just got to keep rolling but it's kind of fun you keep it going keep it hot keep the hot takes we'll see you next week ladies and gentlemen stay tuned
1: We'd like to thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com FCSM to gain access to premium content including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews.